0: Amen. Amen. Thank you, Cassie. Thank you. Thank you so much. All right, um, guys, my name is Jared. Uh, if we haven't got a chance to meet, I would love to meet you. Um, I'm excited that we're going to have Open Gym tonight uh, right after this. Um, I'm really excited to, to, to meet some of you guys who I haven't met. I had a chance to talk to some new people over here, um, and I, I love that. I want some more of that. So um, if you guys haven't, please come up to me. Uh, I get to be on staff here at dr Church. Uh, I am on uh, partly the community side and partly the college side. I get to do some stuff here with the Salt Company, but I also get to do some stuff on the, on the uh, community side, um, some stuff with the men's ministry, some things with local missions. And, and, and I really, really enjoy that. Um, if, if you have like a heart of wanting to serve in the community, like, I'm your guy, right? Come come find me. I'd love to talk to you about that. I just had a conversation this, this week, um, and I love those conversations. Enter into those. If you have a heart to serve, uh, want to get plugged into the city of Madison, come find me, and we can, and we can do that. Cool? Okay. Uh, so we're going to jump right into our, to our message. Okay? We're going to be continuing in our series in the book of James. And if you've been here the last several weeks, uh, we've just been going through chapter by chapter, chunk of Scripture at a time. And last week, Rudy brought us to the end of chapter two with a tough text talking about faith and works. Arguably one of the hottest topics in the Christian faith. But ultimately, we can understand this from James, right? That faith without works is dead. Not meaning that there are some works that you have to do to obtain your salvation, but that works are an evidence of your salvation. Your works don't save you. They are evidence that you are saved. They are evidence that you're growing into looking more like Christ. So I have a different text tonight, but I have a similar text. See, last week, James wanted us to see the connection between our works and our faith. And now he wants us to see the connection between our words and our faith. And he's not talking about this proclamation of Jesus, Right, This idea that you have this saving knowledge that Jesus is king, which is a really important thing for you to have. But he's talking about this manner of our speech, holding those of us who believe in Jesus accountable to the things that we say. I don't really have any cute stories to get us into the text tonight, so I'm just going to start reading here. You guys are there already. James chapter 3, verse 1. Look, here's what it says. You see, not many of you should become Teachers. I'm going to pause right there for a minute. I want to talk a little bit about this point. It's not really clear why James has to make this caveat in this text. But I could imagine, right, that if people back then were anything like people now, then there were probably some, like, young and ambitious and prideful little Jareds back then in the church, right? And so we had to tell them, yo, like, not everybody should be a teacher, See, I remember when I was in a season of discerning my call into ministry, this verse was primarily the verse that leaped off the page to me. See, James is talking to a people who are churched and who believe in Jesus and who might even have been gathering in a situation similar to this right here. Like at one point I was in a seat similar to you. I would have been hearing the word of God preached. I would have been committing to being a gospel community and the spirit was impressing on my heart. And I was wondering, is God calling me in the ministry to proclaim his word? And all I could think about was James's warning right here in this text. Not many of you should become teachers. I couldn't shake that he was talking directly to me. Does that strike any of you in here? just me okay <laughs> but it's not like let me let me step into your house just a little bit more right maybe it's not this idea of becoming a teacher maybe it's the pursuit of being a leader and let me make this clear everyone in this room is a leader there's this guy named John Maxwell he's a leadership guru who writes a lot of books he's written a lot of books on leadership and he would agree with this sentiment that everyone is a leader here's what he says Everyone is a leader. Why? Because leadership is influence. When we think about this word influence, influence is simply the power to change or the power to affect someone or something. And the reality is all of us have this power on someone. Like just me, for example, before I even step outside of my house, I have influence on my wife. I've influence on my kids. I've influenced on my dog. <laughs> Not really, I don't have a dog, but I, but I wish I did. <laughs> right, maybe for you it's a roommate, or a classmate, or a younger brother or a sister, or even, listen, I've known college students who are even spiritually leading or spiritually influencing their parents. See, some of us have formal roles of leadership, but all of us have informal roles of leadership. So hear me when I say, and make no mistake about this, that everybody in here is a leader. But as we lead and as we aspire to be leaders, I think it would be wise to heed and apply the words that James is speaking here to those who are aspiring to be teachers. In Some sense, if you're a teacher, you're a leader. And if you're a leader, you're a teacher. They're both roles of authority. They're both roles of influence, both roles driven by words, which is the most important thing for us tonight. And I think James' warning is is timely. When it comes to formal roles of teaching and leading, not many of us should do it. Why? Look at the end of verse 1. Because you know that we will receive a stricter judgment. See, if you haven't noticed, James writes like a scrappy MMA fighter. (laughs) Like you read the book of James and you know you're going to get your behind wood, but you don't know if it's going to be like a quick chop to the throat or like a spinning roundhouse kick to the kidney. But, but the reality, like you're going to be probably internally bleeding. It'll be bad for you reading James. Like the things James has to say are either widely debated or widely ignored because they're really hard to grasp. But we're going to wrestle tonight, Salt Company. See, one of the hard realities of the Christian faith is that, yes, there will be judgment for the words that we speak. See, James lets us know here, but even his brother Jesus lets us know. In Matthew 12, verses 36 through 37, Jesus says this, I tell you, on the day of judgment, people will give account for every careless word they speak. For by your words, you will be justified and by your words, you will be condemned. Y'all, this is a tough word. And I'd be lying if as I was reading this text this week and preparing this sermon that I wasn't frantically like combing through the Bible, looking for a way to justify this text and saying, yo, Jesus, you don't really mean that, do you? Like, how can I find a way to spiritualize what you're saying here? I couldn't do it from the very beginning in Genesis to the end in Revelation. The scriptures, the testimony of scripture points to the same reality that our words matter and we will be accountable for them. See, James understands the weight of what it means that our words matter. He understands the weight of what it means to be a leader, and he's saying that many of us shouldn't become one because we will receive a stricter judgment. In other words, leaders and teachers, and this is all of you if you are in Christ, are held to a different standard, specifically the standard of having a tame tongue And verse 2 kind of interrupts us with the reminder that we all stumble in many ways. And the easiest place for us to stumble is with our words. But look at what he continues to say. And if anyone does not stumble on what he says, he is a perfect man, able also to bridle his whole body. Or another translation says he is mature. Mature. Able also to control the whole body. See, if last week James was trying to tell us that mature Christians' faith is evident by their works, then this week he's trying to tell us that a mature Christian's faith is evident by their words. So here's the thing. If you don't get anything else from this message tonight, just get this. Your words matter. So for the rest of this message, James will instruct us on the importance of having a tame tongue by showing us the tongue is three things. The tongue is powerful, the tongue is perverse, and the tongue is polluted. First, the tongue is powerful. Look at verse 3 with me. If we put bits into the mouths of horses so that they obey us, we guide their whole bodies as well. Look at the ships also. Though they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are guided by a very small rudder wherever the will of the pilot directs. So, also, the tongue is a small member, part of the body, yet it boasts of great things. And the thing I want you to know about this portion of the text is this if you're writing notes, write this down. Don't underestimate the power of your tongue. See, James says controlling the tongue is like using a bit. For all the equestrians in the room, right, this thing that goes into the mouth of horses to tame it, and it's like a rudder that's on the back of a ship. Even though it's huge and it's impacted by the wind, it's impacted by the waves, it still has this power to guide. He says the tongue is like this. It's small, but it's mighty. I think we often underestimate the power of the tongue, don't we? We underestimate the power of the things that we say, yet we see the power of them all the time. We see words on signs and on our phone screens that convince us to buy and sell. We see wise words written in books that fill our imagination and they move us to action. Words that are spoken by famous orators of the times whose voices spoke into the void of injustice and corrected corrupt nations. So it doesn't take much to realize that words matter. See, they have power and they can be used for direction and vision and purpose. But James wants to warn us about the shadow side of the tongue. He says here that it's powerful, but he's also gonna say it's perverse. Look back at the text, it says, how great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. And the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness, the tongue is set among our members, standing the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life, and set on fire by hell. For every kind of beast and bird of reptile and sea creature can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil, full of deadly poison. See, the tongue is not only powerful, but it's perverse. It's unruly. It's a small part of our bodies, but it can be satanic, as James says, infectious like a fire or untamed and unleashed like a wild beast. If you're writing notes, write this down. Don't underestimate the impact of your time. Here's a little call and response. Finish this phrase for me. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but... That was great. That went. A lot better than I thought it was going to go. <laughs> well, I don't know if this phrase was popular when you guys were young, but it was popular when I was young. It was kind of like this cool thing to say even, right? Like we, we thought it was cool. People would come at us with these harsh words, and the thing that would be on our, on our minds, on our tongues, would be this, this phrase. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words may never hurt me. But the odd thing is that most kids would say this and maybe you've said this in your own past. And as you're saying it, the reality is that you begin to fight back tears as these words are rolling off your tongue. Your feelings are trying to catch up to the words that you're saying. And it almost always fails, doesn't it? Why? Because we know that words really do carry weight. Words matter. Don't we know that an untimely word from an unruly tongue can pierce even the toughest of skin? See, words can destroy. I've seen words destroy self-esteem. I've seen words destroy relationships. And if we're honest in this room tonight, some of you have been impacted by this. Maybe you've caught the wrath of someone who had their tongue set on fire by the fury of hell and you're still trying to recover from that like you've been affected by the poison of someone with careless words someone who was supposed to love you who was supposed to lead you or someone who's supposed to care for you listen if this has been you this is not a reflection on you but a reflection on them so you are not the sum total of what people say about you and in fact you are not the sum total of what people have withheld from you And the way you've been spoken to was more of a reflection on them than it is of you. Or maybe you haven't been a victim of this, but you've been a contributor of this. And you believe the lie that your words don't matter. You believe they don't matter and it's up to the people around you to understand you. And fall in line with the words and the thoughts that you think, right? Like you've believed a lot that the harsh things that you say. Don't have an impact on anybody. They just fall to the ground. But all I want you to know desperately that that's not true. See, what's true is that what you say reveals who you are. What comes out of your mouth is an indicator of what's in your heart. The scripture tells us from the overflow of the heart, What? the mouth speaks. And that means that we have to do some work tonight. Take inventory and come to this harsh reality that some of us here have some real perverse hearts. See, maybe the reason why your tongue is so unruly is because you're so riddled with insecurity that the best thing that you can think to do was to insult someone else to make yourself feel better. And James, in the only way that he can is wanting us to know that this kind of talk, like this type of talk, this doesn't glorify God, but it glorifies evil and it makes hell rejoice. Listen, the tongue is powerful. It's small, but it's mighty. The tongue is perverse. It can be unruly and infectious. And lastly, the tongue is polluted. Look at verse 9. It says, with the tongue, we bless our Lord and Father, and with it, we curse people who are made in the likeness of God from the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things ought not be so. Does a spring pour forth from the same opening, both fresh and salt water? Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives or a grapevine produce figs? Well, neither can a pond yield fresh water. See, a thing that is created to do one thing and does a completely different thing is polluted. James is telling us that's what corruption looks like. A fresh water pond shouldn't have salt water. A fig tree shouldn't sprout olives, and an olive tree shouldn't sprout figs. And likewise, a tongue made for blessing shouldn't be used for cursing. Look back at verse 9 again. It says that with our tongue, we bless God. And with that same tongue, we turn around and curse people who are made, what? In the likeness, in the image of God. Verse John four twenty says this, if anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. See, my mom used to call this talking out of both sides of your mouth. You may have heard this phrase before. out on both sides of your mouth, boy. <laughs> right, like, like you're double-tongued. Meaning, you say one thing to one person, but you say something else to another. Or you say one thing about one person, then you irrationally flip what you say to somebody else. See, I was reminded this week, and Rudy just let us know it's Holy Week. And Holy Week is the week that leads up to the crucifixion and the resurrection of Jesus. And this past Sunday, we kicked it off, right? It's Palm Sunday. If you were here at church at doctor, we kind of celebrated that. And I love this scene that Palm Sunday paints for us. There's a lot of hope and anticipation on Palm Sunday. People were waiting for Jesus to ride into Jerusalem, and they all received him, right? Laying these palm branches at his feet as a sign of victory. And they were shouting, Hosanna, Hosanna, save now. But if you know the story, just a few days later, the same people who were shouting, Hosanna saved now on Sunday, were the same people who were screaming, Crucify him on Friday. Don't underestimate the inconsistency of your tongue. Proverbs 13.3 tells us whoever guards his mouth preserves his life, but he who opens wide his lips comes to ruin. And Proverbs 15.4 says a gentle tongue is a tree of life, but perverseness in it breaks the spirit. And Proverbs 18.21 says, and here it is, death and life are in the power of the tongue and those who love it will eat of its fruits. Listen, this is why your words matter. Your words matter because they have the power of death. And life, they mean something. And this is evident by our creator, God, and our Lord, Jesus Christ. Like all the way back in Genesis, in the beginning, God created life with his voice. Light and darkness, sun, moon, and stars, created with one sentence, let there be light. And Jesus, who lived the life we should have lived and died the death we should have lied and conquered it all with three words, it is finished. And when you repent of your sin and you confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, Jesus calls you by one name, mine. Words matter. Here's the thing, y'all. There will be people in life that will always have death on the tip of their tongues. And the only words they will utter will be perverse. And there will be people who are so drunk with power that they will never take inventory of the words that they speak as long as they get the results they want. And there will be people who will manipulate and abuse others with polluted and flattering words, using their influence for selfish gain. Like people will use their words for power and perversion and pollution. And you know what? That person could be you. That person could be me. Need I remind us that James says in verse 2 that not just some of us stumble, but we all stumble. See, when sin entered into the world, it corrupted everything, including our hearts. And so now this perverse and polluted bent we have is the natural way that we are, which means you might find yourself in that trap of speaking death over life, but there's something we should remember. Right, tomorrow is Good Friday and we'll reflect on Jesus going to the cross. And the good news is, is this, that Jesus died for your perverse and your polluted tongue too. <laughs> See, maybe you're realizing for the first time how sharp your tongue has been. And it's been a weapon against God. And it's been a weapon against the people around you. You need to know that you can turn from that right now. You can ask for forgiveness and God will receive it. At the end of my message, I'm going to close in prayer. And I want to invite you that as I'm praying, maybe you can sit in your seat and you can say a prayer too. Would you ask the Holy Spirit? Would you guard and would you guide my tongue? Would you correct my tongue? Would you keep me from speaking evil and would you provoke me to speak good? Would you keep me from choosing death and would you provoke me to choose life? Maybe that would be your prayer tonight. Just a couple questions to answer before I bring this message to a close and Molly, you can make your way up. What does it mean for you to choose life? Here it is, be a blessing. And the best way for you to be a blessing is this, Be an encouragement. You see, the scriptures are full of examples of encouragement. And encouragement is the primary way that we see God interact and speak with his people. God constantly reminds his people that he will be with us and that he will go before us and that he will never leave us. He reminds us to not be afraid, to not worry, to not be discouraged, to come to him and to lift our eyes to the hills and to lift our eyes to the mountains. See, God is a God of encouragement. And if God is a God of encouragement, then we should be a people of encouragement. What if we were defined as a people who consistently speaks blessings? Like, What if you were defined as a person of love What if the thing people said about you is that I can't wait to get around you? Like, I can't wait to spend time with you because I see the light of Christ in you and I know that you want the best for me. Like, what if this was our reality? But I say all this, but listen, I also don't want to make light of what I'm asking of us. Because in a room this size, surely there's some people who came in here tonight who are beaten down by words that someone has said to them. You're beaten down and the last thing you're thinking is that you want to speak an encouraging word to anybody. I get it. I've been there. But here's what I have for you. Number one, tell someone. So somebody can come around you and love you well. And number two, instead of rushing to speak an encouraging word to someone else, why don't you find some time this week to get alone and soak up an encouraging word from your Heavenly Father? Listen, God knows that words matter, and He's waiting for you to listen to the abundance of life that He's been speaking over your life. You matter you're treasured, you're loved and if you're in Christ, you're his there's no better affirming words, there's no better place to be salt company, words matters and our words have the power of life and death let me pray that as we lead, love and live that we consciously choose to speak life let's pray Jesus we thank you What a word from James. Father, I'm convicted. And I confess that harsh words come from my mouth more than I want to admit. I confess that I'm quick to get angry. I confess that I'm quick to be impatient. I confess that I'm quick to run my mouth, Lord. I'm quick to complain. I'm quick to speak an ill word. James says that no man can tame the tongue, and I confess that my tongue is hard to tame. Lord, our tongues are hard to tame. We need the Holy Spirit power. Holy Spirit, would you come on this room? Would you fill me, would you fill us? Would you fill us with the courage? Would you fill us with the ability? Would you relieve us from the need? Would you relieve us from our insecurity to speak evil? Would you relieve us from our insecurity to speak poorly? Father, would you remind us of your love for us? Would you remind us of your care for us? Would you remind us of the words you speak over us? Love, value, treasure, Yours. Father, we need you. Jesus, we love you. To your name we pray. Amen.